it's actually kind of joy to see him like this little playful kid and like doing all those spontaneous things and that was like him in the past <laughs> and we see and we see Will now and he's like he's the straight man no no funny business just get to work and get the paperwork filled in and follow protocol and it's I don't know, it's just so interesting to see how a lot of these events have really just changed him a lot. And I think that's part of why he falls for Kim a little bit, is because she reminds him of himself. Welcome to the Story Tinker Podcast, a place for in-depth analysis of stories, mainly from Webtoon. Co-hosted by sharp, witty, and dare I say thirsty fans, we dive deep in every episode, analyzing character struggles, relationship development, and of course, theories. We also interview people working in creative industries. You can follow The Story Tinker on YouTube, podcast platforms, and social media. For bonus content, sneak peeks, and more, you can support The Story Tinker on Patreon. We're really appreciative of your likes, subscribes, follows, comments, and ratings on all platforms. Thanks for listening to The Story Tinker, and let's get started. Kieran is trapped in a nightmare where Lauren dies, and it's all his fault. It's happened once, and we speculate how. The rude makes an appearance, and Kieran's guilt is apparent. Another man contemplates his trauma while also sitting on his bed. Will remembers pleasant childhood memories with Lauren and Dylan, and then thinks back to the day of the attack, the day Raphael seems to have left him as well. He was there and acting responsibly, even as a child. Kim, too, is reliving the factory experience while shooting at targets, the stress causing her to miss. Lauren returns to the office to her coworkers' excitement and Kim's suspicion. Kim is not the only one who's suspicious. Herman accosts her in the locker room to inform her that he doesn't believe her story. Marge backs her up and is either a saint or highly suspect himself. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 116 of Purple Hyacinth, Rocky Return. And today we are here with Bundin, Fu, and Joy. Hello. Hello. Hi. So there's a lot of stuff happening and as usual with Purple Hyacinth, a lot of angst and drama. And we'll get right into it. We open up with a um, a shot from the factory arc where there's, you know, like bullets flying around and we see Lauren getting shot, right? This is what actually happened in real life and Kieran looking back at her. And now we have some extra material. We see Kieran's hand reaching out, trying to grab Lauren. And what does it say? Oh, yeah, we have Lauren. One thing I love is that it's, the, her getting shot is from his perspective because usually we see like the, them facing her getting shot because Kim and Will were like on that side like next to the gunman basically but Kieran was to her side so it's like literally this is what he saw and I mm-hmm. like that detail so pretty. <laughs> and then you see like tap 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 he's run over to her and he grabs her so there's a ton of blood, which did not happen in, in real life, but there's a ton of blood. She's just completely slumped over. He grabs her, he's huffing, his hand is shaking, and he flips her over, and she looks dead. I think she's meant to be dead already, right? It's Yeah, it's also... Oh, yeah. I, uh, his outfit changes. Hers, the, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I first saw this, my first thought was, oh, yay, we're gonna see the some of the factory scenes from his perspective, but then it switches to this panel where you see he doesn't have his gloves on and she's 
bleeding a lot more and she's actually dead. It's like, oh no, this is a nightmare. I didn't notice how much Lauren's outfit changes because, like, for me, I feel like I could still still see like her vest, you know. But like, yeah, her hat is definitely gone, and uh, so is her mask, as well as Kieran. And for Kieran, I'm like ninety, not maybe not. I'm like seventy percent sure that his like coat changes because I don't remember like him having the little like shirt cuffs sticking out of it. (laughs) I must confess, I did not notice the outfits. I love him, but I don't know that much. He's also missing his gloves now, and so is she, I think. So, I, Well, we see the purpose of that later, mm-hmm. yeah. at least for him. But also, if you look at her, you see like these white silhouettes of the symbol that we saw mm-hmm. from 112. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of like over her face and stuff. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Additionally... Her eyes are... Sorry, Minnie, I did not mean to interrupt you. Um, Sorry. So some people pointed this out um, on FS, but she also has gray eyes. And who else? And, you know, it's not usually, like, her dead eyes look in episode 23. We see that she has a darker golden. But... um, Because I was like, oh, it's just trying to portray that she's dead, but... Yeah, but, like, who does have gray eyes that would look pretty dark gray if they were dead? Yeah, boy, Dylan. You know. <laughs> oh, I didn't game. even think of that. Like, yeah, I was about to keep just talking them to some John error, but you know, if it's what we're all thinking, or it's or the protectee has like plain gray eyes like this, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah, like little brother, perhaps. But he's like totally aghast. He's, uh, you know, his forehead becomes dark. He leans towards her. You know, he puts his hand towards her cheek and, you know, we see that symbol again. And then his hand comes away and it's full of blood. Oh, oh and, he, and we have a close up of him. And then he says, oh, my God, it's so emotional. He, he leans down. He like he breaks down and he bends over and he's just like his head is on the floor. And he's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lorian. Not you, too. And once again, we have that rune. And he says, <laughs> and then Lauren kind of like whispered. She's like, a better person. But it's not enough. And he's just he's he's just completely broken he's wow it's like that expression on his face and he he thinks oh my god sorry i i just noticed something else that i've not seen anyone talk about sorry Mindy, please continue um on lauren's neck is a handprint oh yeah we yeah. haven't seen since i noticed 65. this yeah. yeah, I did not notice that before. I've only read this episode through once. I was like, I read that last night and I was like, I can wait to the podcast to read this again, you know? You know, I was just like, even though he didn't pull the trigger that mm-hmm. hurt her, he feels like he's put her in this situation, which is probably similar to like what happened to the person from his past, which hurts. Yeah. I I kind of wonder though, like, the imagery of blood being on his hand signifies like a lot of like guilt, you know, especially when it comes to murder. So I wonder if it's like, you know, Kieran believes that, you know, he is accountable for the protective's death or whether like the dude actually killed him, you know, and like or not the dude actually killed the protective, but like Kieran actually killed him, whatever, you know, it would be- because sorry. I was sorry. I was thinking about like this moment, like, you know, like this was Kieran like, respond like actually responsible for the death like was he the one who actually you know did pull the trigger per se or like did like slice off 
slice their neck or whatever. Because in the last episode, we saw Kieran bring up the proposal to Bella that she would be the one ordered to kill Darcy. Like, not just that, like, I'm pretty sure this happened. Like, not just that, like, another assassin was the one to have, like, kill. They'll be the one to send, be the one to be sent to kill Darcy. Like, that she herself was going to be the one ordered to do it. And, like, because Bella and Kieran are both, like, they're both aware of the protect. Like, Kieran, of course, is aware of the protect. Bella is aware of the protect. Yeah. Um, after she says, like, what happened, you know, and how she says, like, oh, I haven't seen you this protective over someone since dot, dot, dot. So, like, I wonder, like, when Kieran was making those statements to Bella, he was speaking from, like, you know, personal history, right? And he's, like, and, you know, he was, like, asking Bella what would she do if she were in the situation that he was in however long ago, you know? Oh, you are excellent at your job of making us all very, very angsty. <laughs> And then I'm my, excellent my at bringing Bella into episodes where she isn't relevant. <laughs> always. Sorry, Brendan. I keep cutting you off. I'm that. so sorry. No, you're good. You're good. My thing is, I think it could be another. I think I mentioned this last week as well. It could be a parallel to Lauren and her guilt that she feels, right? But manifested mm-hmm. in maybe a different way because her guilt manifests in like obsessively trying to figure out what happened, blaming herself, all of that. And Kieran could potentially, like, we don't know whether or not he was like the one to have be forced to kill or like whatever but maybe we could see that maybe because of an action of his or a perceived action of his this person that he cared about got killed so i just want to know if it's like just a similar thing where it's like he can't let go of that because he feels personally responsible for it and that's why he keeps pushing and why he's been so patient and all that stuff to get to this point of revenge basically I mean, like, if the protectee is Dylan, like, props to, props to, like, him for giving both Lauren and Kieran enough trauma to last, like, ten years and more. Through <laughs> no fault of his own. Sad. Uh, Joy, what do you think about Kieran's guilt? Uh, I'm pretty much on par with everyone here, like, so I think that it's kind of endless. I'm kind of going between... I think a lot of it is, but some reason I'm thinking it might be more likely if he, like, did something, like, there was some previous episode where it shows, I think it was, like, a younger him telling someone run, mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. so, like, and I think I wrote a theory about this once where I think he was trying to help someone escape and they somehow were killed. And he had gotten punished for it because there's always this undercurrent of mistrust towards him specifically. And a fan on site, the past few episodes shows that literally everyone gives him the side eye. So oh, that might have been me. I wrote a big thing on the on the Discord <laughs> last night. So <laughs> Oh. <laughs> yeah, that that would be another way for him to feel that like, so many ways. Also, I feel like I may be like overthinking this, but when Kieran like raises his hand, you know, or like right before he flips in, sees the blood, like the lighting on Lauren's face changes a bit. Like that kind of lighting was just not present on her face before, but like it's like, you know, a bit of like more lighting on her neck and her face. But then Kieran's hand casts a shadow in front of it. And it kind of, it, I'm just saying, it kind of looks like a hooded figure, you know? <laughs> Uh, I thought it was the rune. I thought it was like kind of like the mm-hmm. light. Yeah, I thought it was the symbol. Yeah, symbol. like there's the rune, but also like 
<laughs> but also <laughs> it's the panel right before he flips his hand over yeah. where I, I really see like because that's not like the way that the rune is drawn the rune has like a much more like chalk I mean, it, is, it does look like it's the shadow of his hand kind of right because you see like the bump where like his oh yeah yeah, yeah but also like two fingers that lighting there that goes over his hand and goes over lauren's face like if you look at the episode or not the episode the couple panels above it like that lighting is just not on her face there so I mean, also, i'm, I'm probably overthinking it yeah. <laughs> like, but i'm just saying kind of weird you know listen we uh we have to offer as many theories as possible on this podcast this is what our job is so <laughs> mindy be careful with that with <laughs> three hour podcast <laughs> yeah so then he thinks to himself he's he we hear like a narration you thought it'd be enough I'm bad, I just want to say the music here. There's music and it's great and it's wonderful. Or I mean, it's horrible and tragic, but whatever. And you thought it would be enough, but he made a mistake. And you see him standing there. It looks like a figure of him. And then Kira kind of turns around and looks at him. It looks like it's himself. Yeah. But like an earlier, I, I'm assuming that's kind of um, himself telling himself. Um, yeah. And he says, it was a test, poor fool. And he's walking. And Kieran is just like yelling, completely agitated. He's like, no, wait. And he reaches out to, I guess, his former self, looks back at Lauren, who is completely dead, basically, at this point, and thinks it will never be enough. Uh, just his face. Like, <sighs> when we see Kieran like, show emotion in this series, I think it hits me really hard because so often we just see him either just like focused on his job of being like you know his charming self or just acting you know casually maybe his like flirtiness whatever we we rarely see him lose it um no i mean we've seen him lose it before in like other contexts but this is like more seeing him break down almost as a person and it just is really it's really jarring to see a character that we usually assume has like they, you know, they solve everything, and they always stay on top of what they they set out to do. And then to see them just kind of fall apart and give into emotion is really like hard to see. And we see more of that like later down in this chapter as well with other characters, and it's just I don't know. It, it hits really hard to me. It's such a contrast from like the Kieran that we first met when you go back to you know the earlier episodes. So I think as readers, we always knew that this character has a heart because you know we're meant to like him blah 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 but in the beginning he just portrays himself as completely unemotional and cynical and now like 116 episodes in we see his heart and he's such a caring person and he has so much emotion and passion and this is exactly what we all knew all along and now we just have proof Mm. yeah um, i really like the line like a better person but it's not enough because like him being a better person is a callback to i believe episode 108 where you know him and lauren are like sitting against the wall and they're kind of bleeding out a bit you know because they just drag themselves from the wreckage of the factory through a sewer so you're gonna be a little bit roughed up but um and kieran tells lauren that he's a better person because of like his time with her something along the lines of that Mm -hmm. and like for this line like kind of what i derived from it is that like kieran can continue to change and he can you know improve more whether like morally like as you know care like personality wise or like even as like you know in his character like you know as a person like 
it'll, it'll still just like not be enough for whatever reason likely to like protect the people around him mm-hmm. and yeah last night i wrote this thing about it like it was again comparison to bella because this episode just followed like this scene especially like this is like the first thing in this episode and this episode just followed 115 which was a bella and kieran centric episode but in that episode there was like a lot of emphasis on how uh relationships if you're an assassin like to have relationships and to have attachments that's like a weakness for you you know and you know it's a mistake and it's a flaw that must be corrected and you know Kieran's line, Kieran says something to Bella about how, like, she still hasn't learned, kind of implying that he has learned from this mistake. But, you know, if we know anything from um, the Kieran and Bella conversations is that everything is, like, a half-truth and everything is a half-lie. So, like, Kieran is, like, kind of, what I'm picking up is that, like, even though, I think Kieran's in denial a bit, but Kieran is kind of falling back into that um kind of relationship he had with the protectee but now it's with lauren because he is having that attachment to her and you know he he's scolding bella for having you know her girlfriend but he's kind of doing the same you know well i think he's trying to he was trying mm-hmm. to protect lauren in denying that he has a connection with her because he didn't mm-hmm. want bella to be like you know i don't rat him out or kill yeah, her. yeah but it's just like he he tells Bella that like you know this is a lesson that he is he essentially tells Bella that this is a lesson he has learned and he calls out how she has un- been unable to do the same. However, Tyrion has also not fully like moved on from you know this person from his past, and you know he's kind of just in the repeat cycle of it again. Mm-hmm. Poor baby. <laughs> and so- now, oh sorry, go on. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> One more thing. Um, I think I'm kind of curious about that line. It was a test pool. Oh, yeah. Was that it's like it's kind of another, like callback from his past as well, which kind of lends to that theory of maybe he was the one to have been directly responsible for this person's death or whatever. Like, like is that is that like some past memory or is that supposed mm-hmm. to be? Or is that supposed to, like, apply to this present situation? And if so, how would it be a test? Mm-hmm. I wrote about this last night in my big thing I wrote, where it's basically, like, my theory for now, it's probably wrong, but something along the lines of, I think, Kieran and this person, they had this bond, they relied on each other, loved each other, in what context, we don't know. But then... Like, he was forced to do things, maybe, to, like, train, to, like, become really proficient as a killer. And they used that person as leverage over him. Maybe they saw Kieran as, like, the more promising option. We don't know, right? Because they called, even Bella said he was the promising new recruit when they first met. Um, Something along those lines. And I, I think about that scene where we see him in 64, like, escaping from something he's like run right and when he's young and i sort of think what if he and this person tried to escape and then but were caught and the person paid the price for it and that's sort of what set kieran on this path to become an assassin why he killed shan like part of the reason why he goes to off to kill chandelier man again we don't know something along those lines but he is kind of like food said he's kind of been like okay i'm never gonna let a person 
be held over me like that again. And he thinks, like, however long it's been since then, that he's got a control over that. So when he makes this deal with Lauren, he thinks that he can, you know, they've got these rules and he's not going to care about her. He has his goals. She has hers. Keep it professional. Keep it out of their lives. And then they'll get through with it. But then we obviously know that that's not what happens. And they do form an attachment unwillingly, but they do. And now that he's here again, he kind of is afraid that he Lauren is now in the same position as that person. And he that's part of the reason why he's fighting so hard to protect her, that he does not want the person he cares about to be harmed or killed again. That's why he says, not you too, right? And it's just so painful. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, Mina, you can go. Yeah, so Joy, what you said about the test that made me think maybe the figure that he's talking to is not actually his younger self. Maybe it's the person who instituted that test who was testing Kieran in some way that resulted in the death of the protectee. And yeah, maybe that's who he's talking to. So yeah, I wonder if that person is involved somehow in the present. I, I saw like two things with this. Okay, I didn't really see the first one we mentioned, but like some people were saying that this was like, you know, could be like, you know, leader in the Kieran, or leader in Kieran planned out Loon, and I didn't really see it, so I was kind of surprised when people <laughs> brought it up. I was like, oh, really? I mean, I'm not against it, but, like, I don't know. I didn't really see it in this. I mean, like, maybe, but I don't know. It's just, it just doesn't really strike me as, like, you know, Kieran's going to betray Lauren. Um, but something that you guys were saying that I do want to build up off with is, like, it was a test before, like, to me, like, what I'm gathering from that is that, like, you know, you thought it would be enough, but you made a mistake. It was a test. Poor fool. Like, that is the revelation. That whatever this was, it was some kind of test, you know. In in this test, Karen chose wrong. He made a mistake. And um, so my guess is that, like, you know, Karen had to choose between you know, his attachment or the Phantom Scythe. And for whatever reason, he chose the Phantom Scythe because, you know, as we know, he's still around and the Protectee most definitely is not. I'd be shocked if the Protectee is still alive. (laughs) I don't think he chose the Phantom Scythe over the Protectee. I feel like he did something that unexpectedly resulted in the death of the Protectee. Like, I don't think he meant to do it. I think, I don't know, because I feel like, yeah, he didn't mean to do it, but I also feel like, I, I like the idea that he did have um, something more to play in it, because, especially because of his conversation with Bella last episode, uh, because, you know, in that episode, there's a lot of discussion about, like, you know, the choices that mm-hmm. Kieran and Bella play within the Phantom Scythe. Um, and you know the choices that they have and how they use those choices and just the power that they hold within their very like just depressing situations and you know there's Kieran justifies their murder by like oh you know it's forced upon us they we were kids but you know Bella's like you know we always had a choice Mm. we could choose between our like we could choose between them and doing what they wanted or we could you know just die and you know it, it makes me like kind of curious because like you know if there was a talk about how there's like always a there was a higher motive between both Bella and um Kieran and Bella says like I thought your motivation was long gone aka the protectee but 
you know, maybe there's something else. And she suggests revenge. And now I'm thinking, like, maybe it isn't even revenge. Like, maybe Kieran has been motivated by something else entirely. And it's not even, like, related to the protectee. Like, maybe a bit, but, like, like what if it's not? Like, maybe he's not actually trying to get revenge on the leader. He's just in the Phantom Sight for some reason that we don't even know at this point. Because, like, <clears throat> it was, you know, it was a test poor fool because like poor fool makes me feel like the person talking talking to him has pity on him mm-hmm. and then it was a test you know he made a mistake protecting ends up dead i don't know if any of this makes sense i think it so, would be pretty wild like story-wise if if it was something that's not revenge because mm-hmm. everything so far indicates that it's revenge but um listen who knows we'll be open-minded uh, i'm like <laughs> i'm down bad for the theories where Kieran's motivation is like really weird <laughs> yeah so now he wakes up and as a lot of people have pointed out it's it's very similar to the panel where Lauren like wakes up in a rush in his bed <clears throat> and as we like to say it's a magical contracting and extending bed yeah and poor dude yeah he is huffing and puffing sweaty Oh my god, I feel so bad for him. And now we have a parallel scene of someone else sitting on his bed, which is just a great transition. And you know, about like these characters are just like waking up. And it's Will. And his bedroom is very nice. <laughs> he's as you can tell, it's like it's just a nice, calm place. And he's looking at a picture that's on his dresser. And you go a little closer, and it's a picture of baby Lauren, baby Dylan, and baby Will. Well, he's looking at it, and then you see he goes into the memory. So it's the picture, and now it's colored, and you see Ketcha. You see Mr. Rosenthal's um, the Dylan's dad taking the picture. He's like, "All right, perfect." And Will's like, "Tag," and he pokes Dylan. He's like, "Ah, gotcha! Hey, little brat, that's cheating. Come back here." Dylan's running after him. Lauren's like, "Dylan, I swear, if you throw your hat again," and Will's like. It's kind of funny because it looks like Will is actually taller than Dylan. So him calling him a little brat. <laughs> Just him being a little shit, you know. They can't say that because his dad's nearby and he doesn't want to get punished for cursing. I don't know. Yep, Dylan does throw the hat and Dylan's like, tag! And he's like, yeah, that's cheating. I don't care. Dylan! So it's just a really good memory of them. Mm-hmm being kids together and like their idyllic times before everything went sour it's kind yeah. of funny how will acts a lot like kim in this flashback right I think- <laughs> sorry joy what were you gonna say uh, yeah that's what that was thinking is like it's actually kind of joined to see him like this little playful kid and like doing all this spontaneous thing and that was like him in the past and we see and we see Will now and he's like he's the straight man no no funny business just get to work and get the paperwork filled in and follow protocol and it's I don't know it's just so interesting to see how a lot of these events have really just changed him a lot and I think that's part of why he falls for Kim a little bit is because she reminds him of himself a little. That is brilliant. I love that. And you're so right. Yeah, but then he just had one really, 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 really bad day, as we see. And uh, that kind of 
changed everything in his oh life God, in right? so many different aspects. Yeah. And that's what we're going to have a memory of that. Basically, uh, we see Will, you know, present day looking down at that and he just looks very, very sad. And now he's going to burst into tears. Yeah. We usually don't get to see him be emotional. We, we haven't gotten to see Will for a while. And now this is like a really good insight to him. And we go back yeah. to that day. We see little baby Will sniffling around. He's holding something in his hand. It's a letter. Presumably it's the letter from Raphael. I like to think that he's walking right now because he ditched his bike and someone just stole his bike immediately. So now he has to walk home, which which checks out. And I I'm mean, like, oh, poor baby Will. I'm just saying, if I was like a morally questionable person in Artalis and I saw this little rich boy with his little rich bike, you know, I feel like, I don't know, maybe I would snatch it too. I mean, someone snatched my bike when I was like my first yeah. semester of undergrad. Someone fully just stole my bike off the rack. So I relate. So, I yeah, I bike a lot, so I always get scared that my bike is gonna get stolen. You like, you my know. helmet specifically, because, like, you know, I forget to like put it in my bike lock. And I'm like, if someone takes my helmet, I swear. <laughs> yep. So, poor baby Will, he's crying, his eyes are red, he's really just walking around crying. And then you see like that earth shaking, you tremble. And Will's like, huh? And he turns around, eyes are red, nose are red. He sees this massive smoke cloud coming from, he's looking out over the roofs and you see things something on fire. And he's like, it's whoosh. And he's like, is that the train station? It's inauguration day. Dylan and Lauren were supposed to be there. And uh-oh. And then you see the Art Hall's train station. You see a police officer saying, everyone stand back. It's too dangerous. You hear screaming. You see the debris. A bunch of people are beyond, behind the red, the yellow tape. And they're like, what happened? And they everyone stand back. And Will, little Will, pushes his way through the people, comes out and sees this like scene of destruction and chaos. People are running away from the, the explosion, and the fire. And you have like this, you know, memory that we've already seen before uh, that we saw like a couple of chapters ago with him looking at Will, at Lauren running. And he's like, is that? And you see little Lauren leaning down and he's like, Lauren, jumps through the tape. Like, hey, kid, <clears throat> he runs. Um, again, lots of fire. And he, he reaches her, touches her back, and he's like, Lauren, are you okay? She's sobbing. He's like, hey, hey, it's okay. I'm here now. Which baby Lauren, I mean, not baby Lauren, baby Will, already a comforter. Look at that guy. Just man already, like, no, no, man, boy, literally, he's like, what, 13 hair, right? He sees this like five. Well, he's already had just a really emotional day, but drops all that because he's like, my friends. Runs off, sees this destruction, all this traumatic like stuff around him, but then sees his friend like in the middle of the destruction, and all he thinks about is just going off to her. And like you see these these aspects of him, like you, I always wondered whether or not like him and how he acts as the lieutenant for like his his um unit, if that was something he was more like he'd have to learn to do, or was that always a part of him? And we see even before when he was still a child, he had this capacity to go out. To like look out for the people he cares about, to go make sure they're okay, put his feelings aside to make sure that they're okay. And it just was like, oh well. And I think that is the basis for how why he kind of becomes the perfect child, because in order to help the people he loved, he had to kind of change himself to be what they wanted. Right. And it's just really painful to see that like in a good aspect of it is that he's caring and he really wants to help people but the bad aspect of that is that he doesn't really help himself a lot because of it and 
this is one of the like earliest times in his life that we see that of him i think it's like also kind of just like with how the first five episodes after the factory are kind of played out because like the main episode that kiwi get to like grieve over lauren is 106 and even then like it's still very much like a kim centric episode like will is there and he is like going through what kim is going but you know that hallucination dream thing that kim has like that is fully kim and will does not have something on the equivalent of that and um like even following the factory arc which is again very much focused on the relationship between kim and lauren you know will just like doesn't get a lot of focus on his emotions and like i was hoping that this episode would return to kim and will because it'd been a while since we'd seen them um and thankfully we got Mm -hmm. some excellent will content and yeah we really just got to see a lot of his you know emotions in this episode which he hides a lot um and, and i found it like really refreshing after how we didn't really see much of his gr- his own grieving process following the factory arc mm-hmm. joy did you uh, i think you were starting to say something earlier about well um i'm trying to remember um i do know there was something early in a panel where he's like watching the explosion happen from a distance and he's like wait, wait, aren't Lauren and Dylan supposed to be there? And I was wondering, how come he's not there? And how come the Hawks aren't there? Because I thought the Hawks were this influential family in Art Hollis. Or maybe they weren't as big as I thought. But his dad was was chief of police at one point, I thought. Like, shortly, either before or after the events of the ATST. So, I guess there's a part of me that's wondering why the Hawks are not at this big event that's o- that's the opening of a train station that, you know, the King and other influential people are at. My guess would be that because it's implied that Raphael left the morning of this very day as we see Will clutching the letter, um... My guess is that uh, Josephine and Stefan would have to like be calling up people and trying to figure out where Raphael is, so they wouldn't be like attending like mm. a ceremony for a train station because you know their eldest son has gone missing. I mean, and... additionally, I'd like to think Stefan is very like focused on the job and his duty and like mm-hmm. all that stuff, as we see. And also, we know that they were they thought that the bombing was going to happen at the palace. So maybe he was focusing mm. more on like figuring that out because they knew that there was a bombing that was going to happen sometime soon. So maybe he was like at the police station, like doing all that investigating and stuff into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. But I completely forgot that <laughs> the bombing was supposed to happen at the castle. I can't see him taking a day off, even if his son is gone. Right. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't, think Papa Hawks is that <laughs> that kind yeah. of other it's when Raphael doesn't show up after a few days that he would be like where is my son you know he's like of course he's gonna come back yeah, I, mean, I don't know. like but I haven't seen him I'm, in a while I'm just saying even Josephine hasn't noticed his disappearance possible that his parents are at the train station and will just run away i mean like he's he's yeah. devastated so it could be that they're doing the pump and ceremony thing and he's like i'm out of here mm-hmm. yeah 
uh, something about this episode, though. So when we saw Will run up to Lauren, like a puzzle piece clicked in my mind because mm-hmm. a while back, and someone on the server actually went back and found the screenshot of this, but a while back, like back in the age of 2020, mm-hmm. um, F, the writer, had said that someone had dragged Lauren out of the wreckage. Uh-huh. We just, we didn't yeah. know who at the point. And a lot of people were like, oh my God, what if it was like Kieran who like dragged her out of the wreckage? And like, that's why he knows her and he doesn't kill her because he recognizes her eyes or something like, you know, or maybe like, and then when we got that panel of like her parents holding her, Mm-hmm. we were like oh it's it was her parents who like dragged her out but no it was will the entire <laughs> time <laughs> good old will <clears throat> and that's what happens now we he see lauren um the will's like law and then he's looking and he looks to see what lauren is looking at and he sees the hat and he this realization dawns over him and like tears fill his eyes and he just turns away and is stifling his pain. You see, his, he's setting his mouth and it's shaking, but he's not allowing himself to express that, that emotion. And he's, he is crying because he says, we have to get away from here, right? He's still practical. He knows like, okay, we can't just sit around here in a burning building. And Lauren's like, no, Dylan, his hat, his hat. Because of course, Lauren was always reckless <laughs> and passionate. It's like, we have to look for him. We have to. And well, like, he's gone, Lauren. We have to get away. It's, it's, yeah, Will's adult traits are definitely present here. And yeah, and he pulls her out and there's crashing there. So definitely a smart decision. Things are still, you know, volatile and they are running out together. Ugh. I know. It's like, I, I was just, the parallel with him and Kim is, as well is like, I was thinking at that moment when he's like, when he's trying to get Lauren to get out of the building, my first thought was, he grew up like that was like this is the point where he just where he quit being a boy he started being a man and it's just so sad that it takes this big tragedy and the loss of a friend to like push him in that direction at such a young age do yet but yeah yeah like it's it's not really something that has gone a lot of focus in the past but like we knew from episode 86 that will did know dylan and i think there was a bit of obscurity before that whether he did or not but Mm -hmm. yeah so you know dylan was like such an important character to you know lauren's life and you know she's felt that guilt for 10 years and so like i really wonder like will's thoughts on that because you know he he lost that friend too and you know Mm-hmm. it didn't affect him the same way but you know he still grieved it's just like i wonder like how what he thinks about watching his friend you know change so much over the same thing they experienced mm-hmm. no so on top of that will just had the whole thing with his brother leaving at the same time so mm-hmm. it's like so many things just happening and changing in his life at once is probably so hard for him right just to mm-hmm. uh i i get mm-hmm. so sad thinking about it yeah, and oh. that next panel when we see adult Will like looking just just awful. I mean, beautiful and awful. I just want to give him a hug. Good boy, and the fact that hug. he keeps the picture by his bed, right? Mm-hmm. Like you don't keep just any old picture at the side of your bed. That's something that you wake up. That's probably one of the first things he sees in the morning every single day, and it's just so heartbreaking. I think also like 
to add new light to the like we have to look for him we have to he's gone lauren we have to get away like lauren was insisting that they search for dylan and in that moment like we'll have to choose between like searching for him or like getting lauren out of there and as we see in the next panel stuff is like crashing behind them as they run away like you know he he kind of saved lauren's life in that moment because she would have run off into that wreckage to who knows where you know but you know in doing so like they couldn't find dylan in that you know they didn't have that opportunity to search for him and whether that would have turned out successful very likely uh not but like very likely it wouldn't but you know will had to like make that call like no you know even if he's out there we're getting out of here right mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's kind of similar to what he did with kim right kim wanted to go run into the building and find lauren and he had to hold her back too mm-hmm yeah, he's practical. <sighs> Poor boy, baby. Sorry, Joy, you were also saying something. Um, yeah, it's like, I'm trying to remember now. Like, I don't always remember what I'm going to say, and I'm trying to remember if I was going to say something even, so I don't know. We can, um, we can just continue at this point, I think. Okay, so now we have the APD and we hear bang, bang, bang. And so it's pretty apparent. I'm sure a lot of us were like, that's Kim. And we we see her looking dead set, pistol, you know, great angle, just right in the center. And she is shooting and she is sharpshooting. We have a lot of images of her shooting and it's just like bang, 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 bang. She is dead set. It looks like obviously this is how she takes out her frustration. She is extremely exact straight in the center and meanwhile she's flashing back to the image we've already seen lauren coming towards her kind of like half zombie lauren she's continuing to shoot lauren looks up it goes back and forth between the two of them kim is getting progressively more nervous and sweaty and we see lauren coughing blood and falling to the ground and kim is just like really like the panel goes like reverse image just like a sketch on white because she's very very stressed out and finally, we see, like, Shake. And you see that she has completely missed the targets. Like, she, I don't know if she's, de- I'm assuming it wasn't deliberate. She's just gone up and down. But, like, she's no longer in the center because she was so distraught over her memories. Did you guys interpret that that, that way as well? Basically. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and she probably feels, you know, as she's shooting, she probably feels, again, like, guilt. Like, she's the one who, who did it. And, like, you know, shooting Lauren. Yeah, I feel like she's at the shooting range right now doing this, just kind of be like, if I just keep doing this, it will get it out of my head. Like, you know, repetition, repetition, just to kind of get back into the groove of like, I don't want, like, you know, I don't want to think about shooting my friend every time I shoot a gun, I need to use my gun. So she's just kind of doing trial by fire, basically, just keep putting herself through it to kind of get used to it, get it out of her mind, maybe so that she can move on. But that's not what's going to help her to move on, obviously. Well, it's rewriting memories. And actually, mm-hmm. um, that is kind of, I think, a, a pretty standard way of getting over, uh, you know, a set of trauma or whatever is exposure therapy, right? So you, mm-hmm. she has negative memories associated with shooting. So if she has, she has to build new memories that are like positive and neutral. But yeah, <laughs> she's constantly thinking about Lauren. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And that's how that ends. She's just huffing and puffing. And that's, just showing you the effect, but everyone has a lot of fallout from this. Kieran, 
will him. It's I think not something that they can just pass by. Yeah, seeing the like all of these these characters having internal like trauma for it. I think in that way, sort of wrapping up the factory arc quickly was good because it's not wrapped up yet because we're still feeling the ripple effects of everybody's actions and their reactions to it throughout. We're probably going to keep experiencing that for a significant portion of this season. So in a way, sort of wrapping up the actual them being there quickly gives us the space to like now process it and kind of allow us to examine the ramifications of the whole thing and have it not feel like, okay, well, if this kind of dragged on and on and then we had all of like the dealing with it after, it would have felt almost tedious that we're not moving on from this. So in a way, ending it quickly and then having them just have to deal with it after allows us as the readers to kind of feel like at least we're moving forward at a faster rate, perhaps. I yeah, I definitely agree with that, but I still like disagree a bit on it. And I know, like I have been like pretty like argumentative about this, but like because mm-hmm. I think I don't know. I'm I was talking about it with a couple people last night about like the pacing of the patriarch. Because now that like non fast pass has gone into episode one eleven, and uh, sorry, the pacing after the patriarch, and like. I do agree that, like, it was better, like, that it did wrap up, like, it wasn't, like, dragged on for, like, 20 episodes or something, but I still feel like, you know, five is too short, especially given how, like, Will only had that one episode, and then he got reunited with Lauren, and even in that one episode, episode 106, he wasn't, like, the focus of that episode, and, you know, we've gotten a lot of time to see how Lauren, like, has processed Dylan's death and how she grieves over that, but, you know, when, you know, we... We didn't really see much of how Will has grieved in the past, and now we're seeing it, which is great. But also, like, in the moment, you know, now that when he thought that Lauren was dead, we didn't uh, get to see much of his grief. Mm. And I think also, like, you know, 107, 108, 109 of those five episodes between 106 and 111, those are all Lauren episodes. They're between Lauren and Dylan, or Lauren and Kieran. And so it kind of just, like, there wasn't a lot of time for Kiwi, I think, to develop and, like, just explore how they were feeling after the factory work. Because there there was time for, like, Lockheed to kind of process it. And, like, Lauren definitely, like, you know, she goes through, like, different stages. You know, she has that flashback with Dylan, and, you know, that motivates her to get out. And then, you know, they spend, Lockheed spends a bit of time figuring out what the hell they're going to do. But, you know, with Kiwi we see Kim go to therapy and that's the only thing we get in between 106 before the reunite with Lauren. And so I still think that like that was a bit rushed. And I think, you know, just letting that suspense simmer a bit more because like, you know, losing, losing your best friend is a pretty big plot development. Like even if she's not actually dead to them, she is like Lauren is what, or was dead to Kiwi for a bit. And so I think just kind of like building on that suspense, especially given how like, bombastic like, I don't know is bombastic the right word it was just the first thing that came to mind you know because bombs <laughs> but like <laughs> because of how like intense 107 was you know just especially with like you know Lauren and Kieran's talk about like how they they were happy like that they were dying with each other and how like mm-hmm. he watched Lauren explode you know I think you could let that simmer a bit more but yeah 
I yeah. I do agree. Like I do like the exploration of um of the characters after the reun like after the re- reunion because we're seeing how they cope with like Lauren being back, but also knowing that she's the loon. Um I still think that like, you know, we didn't fully get to see what they were like without Lauren, but now she's back. So we don't really get that opportunity. Yeah, so speaking of Lauren being back, that is what is happening. We're at the APD. Kim is coming down the hallway where Will is um, leaning against the wall outside, looking inside the office. And Lauren is there surrounded by a gaggle of officers and staff members. They're like, Lauren, it's so good to see you, Will. They're, they're kind of on the outside right now. They're looking a little, a little suspiciously, a little aloofly <clears throat> because they know something that everyone else doesn't know. And they just, you know, we see Lauren, she's smiling. And Will says to Kim, I don't think she's ready to be back yet. Neither physically nor mentally. And Kim agrees. I don't think so either. That kind of event haunts you. And Kim's like, this is anything. Basically, you're like, yeah. <laughs> She's thinking, yeah. They're, and they're all haunted, obviously, not just, like, not just Lauren. I kind of wonder if Kim resents Lauren a bit, you know, because mm-hmm. like her face here isn't very telling. And I'm kind of like concerned a bit because like she did, she did arrest Lauren in the factory. And, you know, like she, she knew. She should, or she should have known, like the stakes would have ha- what of what would have happened, you know, if that arrest had gone through, you know, like it probably if the arrest was successful, Lauren probably would have been assassinated by the Phantom Scythe um, when AP when the spies in the APD found out. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, like Kim, I've characterized Kim as self- being selfish in the factory, which is, which isn't bad. It's just like you know a, f- a flaw, and you know. Um, and so, like, I wonder if she's kind of, like, going through that resentment that led her to arresting Lauren in the first place in the factory arc, and whether she mm-hmm. still, like, sees some of that, and, you know, I don't really think she's fully forgiven Lauren at first. Like, I think in one eleven she was caught up in, like, oh my god, she's alive, but, you know, now that she's had more time to think about it, she's like, hmm, Lauren's still, like, Lauren still did a lot of shit behind her backs, you mm-hmm. know? I don't I think her aloofness right now is not necessarily thinking of that. I think it's thinking, okay, you say that you've told me everything, but have you, right? Because now mm-hmm. she knows that, okay, Lauren's been lying to her and all this stuff, but it's like, mm-hmm. she, because we get that, the impression that she was still kind of sus about who was her mm-hmm. partner, right? But didn't cry because, you know, Lauren's like half dead, basically really injured and all that stuff and she's just like that's not the time I guess to deal with it but like I don't know I I get the vibes I get from Kim in this is that she's still kind of sus about what's yeah. going on yeah I, yeah I definitely don't think Kim fully trusts Lauren yeah especially point. with her next line where she says and many things are still left unsaid right so <laughs> she knows that Lauren has not told her everything won't pry but still is like I want to know mm-hmm. And I will say, like, I'm team that Lauren does not have to tell Kim and Will at all. Like, I don't think they need to be in on anything that Lou knows, especially because of the betrayal prediction. Like, you know, Lauren's, like, kind of setting herself up by telling all these people about her working as Mm -hmm. Lou, you know? Because, like, I know, like, Kim and Will deserved an explanation, for her being Loon, like, after the fact work. But she also told them, like, a lot about Loon's findings that, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't, I didn't really think it was, like, necessary. I don't know what you guys think. Like, yeah. you know. And Kim also says perhaps it is safer that way, which means that she acknowledges that the more they know, the more dangerous it is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 
it's hard. It's, I mean, this is why Lauren didn't want to do it to begin with, because Mm -hmm. you are left in a, you know, between a rock and a hard place. (laughs) Yeah. And Kim, Kim definitely was a hard place for Lauren, you know, or was that rock pushing her. So. Yeah. Then I'm with you. I do think she can be angry at her. I think she can obviously still love Lauren and care Mm -hmm. for her, but still, still be angry that she lied to her all this time. Yeah. And, and you know, okay, I don't I don't like I fully agree with you, Mindy, but also like I'm gonna be kinda annoyed at Kim if she starts making like Lauren's issues about herself. <laughs> like I, I don't know, Kim. You're a thin line <laughs> you're walking. Because like I don't know, the arrest I'm did not like that. I was like, Kim, what are you doing? In a factory that could explode at any minute. Priorities. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but she was also doing that under Herman's orders mm-hmm. and he yeah. isn't always thinking full on mm-hmm. rational I know a but... lot of times either especially when it comes to Lauren yeah but <laughs> so... Kim was the officer in that situation you know she and Will well Will held superiority but she was the one who went through the arrest she had like she should have made a judgment call knowing what she saw within the factory that you know Herman wasn't in the factory with them he you know, even if she was telling him updates through their radio about what was going on, like, she should have made a judgment call, like, hey, is this, like, really the right time to do this? Because, you know, her choice to go forward with that arrest, even though it was eventually unsuccessful, delayed Loon in the factory long enough for the PS backups to arrive. And I still think that, like, Kim should have you know, even if, like, she wasn't aware of the backup, she still knew that the Nitro was there, and that actively still posed a threat to her life, to Will's life, and to Loon's life, and so I think, you know, she should have put people's safety first. Yeah, yeah. So, Lila is, you know, bawling her eyes out and tapping her nose with the handkerchief, and she's like, I'm so happy to see you, Lauren, it's been 10 days, we were so worried for you! And then we have, um, I think it's Grace, right, from this previous comic, and she's like, you got jealous of Hawks and Liddell and wanted your own near-death experience? And like, haha, trust me, I would rather have avoided the car accident. <laughs> right? Um, good to see you again, Lauren. Take it easy, all right. And then we have March, uh, March there. Of course, she won't. Never rested a single day since she was a kid, this one. I'm glad you're well, Lauren. And when I heard you had a car accident, I couldn't believe it. As he's March, March, what do you mean by that? It's not <laughs> red text. Like, you know, maybe it's like, you know, figure of speech, but like, what do you mean by that? I couldn't believe it. That's so weird. I'm like, so I don't believe you. This man. Well, I you could say that without being sus. He just doesn't believe that she was in a car accident. That doesn't mean he's PS or anything. No, nah, but other I've been sus of this man for so long, <laughs> since before season two ended. Since we learned about his wife and his daughter who died like vaguely, right? Like, okay, we know the daughter died like of illness, I think, but the wife died vaguely from the criminals who've been running this city for too long or whatever. And I'm just like, hmm, that that could that you didn't say royal, you didn't say the fans of size, you didn't say whoever it could be who you perceive as people who are doing all that. I don't know. I'm so sus of March. Yeah, so sus of the way the way March is like always so. Um protective of lauren around herman right like i'm like because okay we'll get into this later too but i kind of like agree with herman most of the times like when he made that arrest call i was like you dumb bitch but (laughs) most of the times i'm like yeah i 
kind of like agree with her in a lot of the times when it comes to Lauren. Um, but like, you know, March is always sticking up for Lauren. And I think that's going to backfire on Lauren a lot because like, I don't know. He's just so sad. It's like, come on, dude. <laughs> it's yeah, like, and it's, it's hard to explain, you know? Yeah. And especially if he is somehow part of the site mm-hmm. now, that would probably explain why she hasn't been targeted as of yet yeah like merch is just too healthy a dad figure to be like innocent you know like he's too good to be true it's just something's up i'm i'm an optimist and i'm just gonna go until there is evidence to the contrary march is just a saint he's just the perfect character i'm just saying mindy he was friends with her parents who were apostles yeah, well, her parents were also nice people. <laughs> yeah, no. Who were in a terrorist group. Well, yeah, but definitely, there's something up with March, that's for sure. Something. Mm-hmm. He's like, are you sure this isn't too soon? People can cover for you. And Lauren's like, the doctor said a gradual comeback will be fine. Working is, uh, everyone's working overtime to send new measures. I don't want to let you guys down. <clears throat> and Will's like, only half days for the next two weeks, three days a week at most. Please don't keep it to yourself if you ever start feeling unwell, right? This is his job, you know, making sure he's taken care of. And then he's like, this Friday, <clears throat> you are on the security team with the Liddell at the Mirage Opera House. There will be a play Blue with many nobles attending. Sorry. And our presence has been requested. Blue hair and pronouns. It's, let's go. <laughs> She's coming hurt. Not she. <clears throat> They're coming back. Yeah. So I have a prediction. <laughs> I predict that there's going to be a lot of Sandman drama. Some massive something is going to happen at this house with Sandman. <clears throat> PS is going to try to get him shoot out fights. Stuff. Yeah. Lauren gets shot yeah. again. God. I think Lauren's <laughs> going to watch Sandman die. I don't think she's going to get burned yeah. because she had that moment in the factory. But I think she's going to watch him die. And when he dies, he's going to try and tell her something, and then it's going to like you know. He's gonna die right before he finishes his sentence, and it's gonna be like some big reveal or something, no, you know, no, or almost no. a big reveal. But we're just gonna be left on that suspense. No. I'm calling yeah, it now. Certain. I'm gonna come back when we get to this arc, and <laughs> when that episode comes out for free, I'll comment the timestamp of when I'm saying this and be like, "I motherfucking called it," you know? No, I, I definitely think Sandman is gonna die in whatever that opera house situation is gonna be. Because, you know, we've seen him avoid assassination twice at this point. Like, you know, yeah. rule of threes. And then also just, he can, he can pass off his contacts and whoever he's been working with to Lauren at that point, hand over what he's been working on to her, potentially. Oh my god, I just realized, what if... Okay, because Kieran has, th- has that thing where, like, you know, he's going to get a new mission soon, and there's been some speculation that Sandman. <laughs> what if Kieran is sent to go kill Sandman? Oh, and it ca- and maybe even Bella's involved. And it kind of, <laughs> like, and, you know, Lauren's there as, like, because she's APD. No, because Sandman's there. And then Blue Hair and Pronouns is there. And then it all, like, comes <laughs> together in some climax, you know, oh, where they're bro, all. Bro, the Apostle off. said he has a big assignment to make up for Loon's uh-huh. death. Yeah. Opera House? I'm, Opera House. You know? Like, no assassin has worked so far to kill Sandman, so send the best. Have Kieran mm. redeem himself in their eyes. Help his image. And what if Sandman like, looks him in the eyes and he's just like, okay. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Oh, no, but Pundit? With the chandelier, man? 
Funded. Like, because, like, the Phantom Scythe may not entirely trust Kieran, they could also send Bella to, like, chaperone him. I, I'm sorry, just I'm Bella. Bella. <laughs> I, yeah, it's true, oh. but also, like, it would be pretty funny to see, like, Kieran and Bella go on a mission together, like, as they are now. Oh, I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> if, we're, if we're going this far, you know, might and- as well add the best character. You know, I'm, I'm just saying. Well, how are you going to put Nira? Nira's got to be involved too, then. She's attending the opera house Nira's at like the elegant she's way she is. Exactly. She's oh, fine for the queen, obviously, because mm-hmm. there's lots of yeah. nobles. And if Lauren's there with Bella and Kieran going together, Lauren's going to be all jelly and be like, well, I'm your partner. What are you doing hanging with her? <laughs> oh my god lauren's gonna meet blue hair and pronouns and have another sexuality crisis like when she met darcy <laughs> I, did not, I, I didn't see that at darcy all it was a bi awakening for lauren what? lauren doesn't think about romance period he doesn't think about romance but that look when she met darcy that was like you, likes her. <laughs> you, you found out something about yourself that night well, even though I'm a massive simp for Lauren and Kieran, I think Lauren's not at that stage yet in her life. I think she's yeah. so focused on, you know, um, yeah. and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So is Kieran. Was... Kieran said himself, he's not, he doesn't want to think about romance right now. They could just care for each other right now. That is fine. We have plenty yeah. of time for that to develop. And I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah, it's about the yeah. journey. <laughs> but now I am thinking, like, it would be kind of cool to see Lauren and Blue Hair and Pronouns, like, team up to try and, like, protect Sandman, you know? Like, in the heat of the battle, they're like, I have no idea who you are, but this guy is important to us for some reason, and we're gonna, like, you know, they just, like, they do that thing where, like, they have their backs to each other, and they're, like, you know, making that thing where they, like, shoot in a circle or something. You need to have all the all the colorful ladies together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, so now Kim is... Kim, very surprisingly, acts like her goofy old self. She's like, do we get to watch the play too? And she's like, will be on Sergeant Liddell. And she grabs a lamp and jumps up <laughs> on the desk and dramatically says, oh God, the yonder, lend us me life. Lend us the lieutenant a heart replete with more love than affability. And Is that like, opera? Oh. Kim. But they said so they're cool. watching a play at the opera house. So. Okay. Why not the theater? <laughs> What happened to this theater from episode one? I mean, or the prologue. theater was about to get bombed a few months ago. Like, maybe they're just like, let's go somewhere else. I mean, like, the factory just got bombed, you know? They, they've set their eyes on new targets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they should, give, they should give Kim an Oscar, you know? Yeah. By the way, I love this picture where she's like, can we watch the play? Like, this is my favorite. I think this is officially my favorite Kim picture. And, like, uh, this would be me if I were... Finding out I'm going to be at the upper house or whatever. It's like, oh, they get to watch the play too. No, you don't. <laughs> the panel reminds me of Kim in episode 53 and 92 when she's like, right. oh, Lauren, goddess of deduction, you know, lend me your powers or whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's great. Some of me wonders if she's kind of forcing herself to go back into that to try to make herself feel happy again, you know, because she's just been through a very stressful time. And sometimes you have to like make yourself do these things so that you like kind of fake it till you make it. She wants yeah. to go back to her old self. I get those vibes as well, Mindy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I could be also trying to do a cover, like trying to act like this, like obviously with the bombing or whatever, but trying to act like there's nothing 
further personal going on with her by like acting more in character, so to speak. And like, they don't want people, like she don't want people to be questioning her on why she suddenly like, not as jokey, like, like even more so, you know, like, I guess I'm trying to say she doesn't want to do anything to lead on that she's got anything further that they know of because the only trauma they would have known is she went through this explosion and she survived the shootout, but that's all everyone at the APD knows. They don't know that she's discovered Loon and she's, that she has a close connection with Loon. And so maybe she's trying to mask that up a little when Lauren returns because you don't want to act like she's too out of character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100% agree with that, Tim. So Will's like, get to work, Liddell. And Lauren says, speaking of patrol, I'm going to go get ready. And she thinks to herself, they've been acting normal, yet the mood in the office feels off. Maybe it's because Grumpy Cat isn't back yet. Aww. I hope he's woken up from his coma, but also we don't know that, so... <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. I, when I first read this, I'm like, oh, is he awake? But I, it could just be, you know, he's still. Yeah. yeah. My favorite joke or like headcanon thing about Grumpy Cat is that like he'll come back from his coma and then find out that he's on a paid leave, like paid medical leave, you know, and he'll be like, I'm out. And he goes back into his coma. <laughs> <laughs> so Lauren goes out into the hallway and she goes to the locker room. Um, and she's at the locker and suddenly she turns around and guess who's been there waiting for her creepily in the corner with his arms crossed. And he's like, Officer Sinclair, it's Herman. Welcome back. And no, he is not welcoming her back. He is not happy that she is back. <laughs> That's the lie. <laughs> and she's well, like, I think because, sorry, um, with that line, I mean, like, welcome back, like, because of like what he says in the next couple of lines, you know, he's very suspicious of her. And I think like, you know, his welcome back, I like to think that because I'm sympathetic to him, that his welcome back is because he's like, I know the reason that you're out here or I know the reason that you had to like miss work wasn't because like you had a car accident. It was because you went out and did something dangerous. Right. And, you know, got hit with the consequences of your actions. (laughs) I just think he just doesn't like her. That's no, yeah. just fine. He can be. A, it's it's like him and March to me is like the Snape and Quirrell of this story, right? We don't like Snape, and Snape doesn't like Harry, but we'll still is still like you know working toward good. And Quirrell, mm-hmm. he's just like, oh, he's just this, this chill guy, he's a little weird, whatever. And then it turns out, oh no, he's got Voldemort on the back of his head, right? Oh. <laughs> no, that's not you think of March. I'm so sad. We've never <laughs> seen him without the hat. Who knows, right? But I digress. Yeah. Herman Herman frustrates me a bit because as I said earlier like I tend to like agree with like a lot of like his broader ideas you know like I I agree with like uh you know the accountability he held Lauren to after her incident was sake and like I kind of just like I'm like yeah I your your suspicion of her is somewhat justified and I like I often find myself you know like um kind of like defending him and like this episode i left a comment on this episode where i was like yeah i definitely like agree with herman here but um yeah like 
I'll, I'll get to this later, but I feel like Hermie gets a little, like, unnecessarily antagonized, okay. yeah. both by, like, you know, the reader base and by the story, because I'm like, maybe it's just, like, to twist it, like, oh, he was good all along, but, like, Herman continuously brings up, like, valid points, but then gets hit by, like, a portrayal of him being, like, overly antagonistic, and so, you know, any any point he would ever make gets kind of drowned out by how hateable he is. I mean, you can still, you can be a good person at heart, but still be an asshole as well. Yeah, right? but like, right. you know, you're, you're, right you're less likely to be nuanced about a character if they're just a jerk all the time. Well, well that's, that's not jerk. us. We have to be, you know, the ones who are like, uh, you know, can see past the personality mm-hmm. part to like the decisions. Yeah, and that, that's why I hope that like Purple Hyacinth will have a moment where it's like, yeah, Herman's kind of been right this like for almost the entire time. And I really hope that moment happens. Every time Herman is a little bit meaner, I'm like, you know, holding on for my life. I'm like, oh my God, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so let's see what he tells. He's like, oh, how are you feeling since you're car accident <laughs> <laughs> he's so suspicious and she's lauren narrows her eyes and she's like feeling much better sir he says that's good which by the way that was not a lie okay mm-hmm. and, and oh she so, can't sense her own lies what? oh wait you're talking about that's good okay never mind wait, i thought you were yeah. commenting on what she was saying and then he says in the lie truly regrettable what happened because he doesn't believe it happened yeah <laughs> And I was like, what were the odds for it to happen on the same night as the explosion? And Lauren's like, I'm sorry I couldn't answer the call for backup. So she doesn't she doesn't answer his question about how likely it was. She just, you know, mm-hmm. apologizes. And he says, Yes, it is unfortunate that <laughs> you again doesn't believe her, so it's a lie. And there's like this dead set look between the both of them. They're just looking at each other. It's a staring contest. And then he says, What's more unfortunate is that I do not believe you. But see, he's so, he's straight out. He's, you know, he's direct. Yeah. And I liked that in Herman. Like, he's not really, he doesn't really hide a lot of his intentions, I think. Like, you like, it is kind of, like, clear what he's going for here. Like, because I don't believe he's fandom side. I think, you know, that would be just a red herring. But, like, Herman, he's direct in what he's trying to get out, Lauren. Like, he's like, yo, you are really bad at hiding the fact that you are lewd, right? <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, mm-hmm. I like Herman, and I hate when he's really mean. Like, I don't like Herman as a person, but I like him as a mm-hmm. character. I yeah, think same. He's a good foil to, like, their plans and stuff. But I don't have to like him. I think he's, like, you know, he's he's an obstacle in the narrative for the people I do care about, right? So in that mm-hmm. regard, I don't really like him. Like, me reading this, I'm like, oh, shut, shut up, shut up. Like, <laughs> you're gonna be proved, like, even if you're right, you're gonna be proven wrong in terms of, like, like, without Loon and everything, like, y'all wouldn't have known about this thing, and there would have been a huge disaster mm-hmm. if not for Lauren, right? He is, like, and I do believe that he does feel resentment to her for the fact that her uncle is cheap and he wanted it badly and he didn't get it. So he can't take it out on his boss, so he takes it out on his boss's niece, right? Like, mm-hmm. that is a very human thing to do. He is not, like, a cartoon villain. He is, mm-hmm. he is a pretty well-crafted, nuanced character, but still, I don't have to like him. I don't, mm-hmm. and I don't. 
So, but it's, it's just... Snape analogy is actually perfect because Snape was uh, mean. He was very mean to Harry while doing the right thing all along, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... exactly. But like, with Snape, though, they kind of just, like, redeemed him last moment. And I really hope that doesn't happen with Herman. Like, I, I hope he has, like, a transition where it's, like, you know, you really, like, dislike him, but then you're, like, slowly you know, you really start to agree with him. And, but in part, that's really going to be how the narrative portrays him, you know, because, you know, even if like, we're able to make these conclusions on our own, using what the narrative has given us, while the narrative still antagonizes Herman a lot, like, you know, in general, not everyone is going to be as analytical towards a character that's a jerk most of the time. And so like, that's what we're here for. Yeah, I want, I want, I want, the narrative to become a bit more like empathetic to what mm-hmm. Herman's going through. And it's probably like, going to, he's going to have his like, I was right all along the <laughs> month, and mm-hmm. it's going to be cool, but also still, I don't have to like him still. And I'm yeah. probably not. Yeah, going of to. course you don't have to yeah. like him, but I, I just hope yeah. that like the narrative gives him that chance. They're setting up for that for sure. I think like, I don't think we can like not expect that and like the whole thing with like Snape was redeemed in the end he's redeemed in the end in the text I still think he's a, he's a dick and I still don't mm-hmm. like him because he's still an asshole to Harry for seven years I think that's so. true I think and I think Jack is exactly like Herman because of personal reasons like he protected him because of Lily and he was doing the right thing but I think emotionally he felt a lot of anger towards Harry because of his, yeah. a lot of the interaction with his dad with James so with- I think that is is a lot like Herman yeah with Herman though like I, I always feel like the excuse or not the excuse, but like the explanation for his dislike to Lauren that um, that it's because, you know, he got slighted of the promotion. I, I always felt like that was like, you know, just a cover up for something else, you know, like they're trying to make us believe one thing when in actuality it's the other because like, yeah, Herman's really harsh on Lauren, but she's also part of a vigilante duo and, you know, you can't, keep people like that accountable and Herman just knowing Lauren's history with dealing with phantoms with, with dealing with the phantom scythe right with sake he can't as an officer right mm-hmm. her actions whether as loon or not reflect those of the APD and you know as someone who he does have control over because he doesn't he doesn't he's in the boss of everyone in the APD but as someone who he is closer to just professionally he does have more of a like he can hold her accountable to her actions because you know but as loon when she's a police officer because as loon he can't you know and i think that accountability is something that loon kind of does need because like even though loon has done a lot of great things and the police are like definitely in their debt their methods are still kind of like questionable i mean like you know they they rely on threats of violence they like kidnap people in their own homes and like tie them to chairs like that's not very ethical you know hmm. well, yeah it's a little bit of ps methods but anyway um he tells her i don't believe that accident you're visibly injured you've got records going to the hospital but i don't believe your little tail and she's like what and he continues fortunately for you your uncle is backing you up and the king's right hand is conveniently corroborating the story so there's nothing that can be done about it it's apparently the truth for now. And he's coming closer to her and now they have a face face off. And Lauren, you see, just focus on Lauren's hand. She like twitches a little and she starts saying, you know, saying something. And then who comes in at that moment? The 
March. He's like, well, what's going on here? Convenient, convenient. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I really think he I was really like, following them. I really like how Herman brings up Lauren's uncle mm-hmm. and godfather. And I said, I, I, I commented this under the episode, and I think it kind of just says it best. Like, okay, Herman's a bitch, but I kind of agree with him. The only reason Lauren has gone this far devoid of serious professional consequences is because she has her uncle and godfather as her benefactors to give her a cover story. Any other officer in her position would not have those privileges, but because she comes from wealth and has wealthy connections, she can get away with murder. Get away with, by get away with murder, I mean like as a figure of speech, not that she's actually (laughs) murdered someone. Yeah. That's how that's how life works, and that's how it is here in Dallas too. And I think, like you know, that's like why Herman is partly so charter on Lauren because even Tristan has like offered her a way out, you yeah. know, before instead of keeping her that accountability. Because mm-hmm. like, um, in episode forty six, I'm going out on a limb here. I well, think it's very right. <laughs> In episode 46, you know, Tristan's like, you know, I, I can give you your spot back, right? And Lauren's like, no, 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 I have to, like, I have to bear the consequences of my actions, right? And I think, you know, those consequences are brought on by Herman. And it's Herman being the one who keeps Lauren accountable and not her uncle. Her uncle literally, like, gets her out of, gives her a get-out-of-jail-free card while she's knocked unconscious. And, you but know. The difference is that Lauren doesn't take advantage of it. Kieran's the one who kind of triggers yeah. uncle and, and godfather come help me out. I don't think Lauren would have it's gone not, for that, right? Definitely so it, not it, Lauren's fault in that situation, yeah. but it's still like Tristan is still helping her out and Herman recognizes that Tristan uses his position to help Lauren out and, you know, he he doesn't know how Lauren might, you know, abuse that power. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, but she, because she wouldn't by choice abuse it, but mm-hmm. he doesn't know that. And yeah. All that stuff. Yeah, that's so what gives it interest when he wants. Yeah. Yeah. Because he, he assumes that, like, because he doesn't really know the full story. Like, he just thinks that, like, he doesn't, he doesn't, he knows that he doesn't believe Lauren and he knows that she's hiding something and that mm-hmm. her family helped her out with it. Her wealthy, yeah. rich, privileged family. <laughs> and so I think, you know, if you're like the head of, you know, a police precinct and, you know, this is going on you're like yeah it's probably a good idea to crack down on it a bit before other people start abusing their wealthy connections to get away with some very illegal things right yeah it's a big theme so march comes in and he's like what's going on and herman lies and says oh i was wishing off our system player a smooth recovery and return to work and look at him march is like by the look on her face, I'm sure she's appreciating the welcome back. <laughs> okay, they're all just lined her butts off. And then he says, let's hope she gets, Herman, let's hope she gets back to full function quickly. We need all our officers in these trying times, which is true. So mm-hmm. it's good. He, you know, he, he has a job. He's, he wants to get his job done. He's all about doing that and getting, you know, keeping people safe and, and getting, doing it right. Mm-hmm. And March is like, for God's sake, Herman, she's injured. She's already been uh, back before she should be. No need to be more unfair to her. And it focuses on his eyes. It's kind of like a little bit threatening, a little bit, do you think? Okay, but I, I think, like, also, like, the line earlier about how, like, everyone is already working overtime. Mm-hmm. Like, March, mm-hmm. that's kind of kind of weird, you know, because, like, he says that, like, <laughs> you need, you need, 
Herman says that like we need all our officers in these trying times and you know he hopes that like Lauren can help and I I kind of saw it as like you know he wants Lauren to be able to like help out so you know her co-workers aren't just filling in for her spot uh, but like you know also grumpy cats you know they kind of just in general need as much help as they can with the new mm-hmm. measures and so like but March takes that like you know how how dare you right like how dare you like um try and like push this on like an injured person and i was like i I don't know it's like he's trying to get lauren to trust him right and i'm like Mm. march it's giving it's giving gaslight manipulate a bit you know (laughs) like where did you learn this was it something that starts with a p and ends with an e (laughs) you know i'm just saying and then it comes (laughs) yeah what do you think, Joy, about Herman and Merch and their characters and susness? Yeah, I think there's definitely something sus about uh, Marge. Um, the thing is, Herman is right that they are short on manpower, that they can use all the help they can get. And I guess one thing that I've that I have thought about is no one really knows how much the police go through, especially through times of crisis. Like they just deserve a whole lot of respect that they are willing to put themselves out there and they literally stretch themselves so thin and uh, and a lot of times thinner than they can stretch themselves. Mm. And a lot of the disrespect that they get is just so sad, but you know, because they just go through so much and a lot and they do generally want to serve their communities overall but yeah like Herman is kind of I think I do have a boss that's sort of like that where people kind of perceive him as a bit of a joke but he's efficient he gets it done so yep and Herman's like, of course, RBF for me to do so. Lie. What did he mean by that? Because he's it's not lie. being fair to her. Right. <laughs> I know. Like, he acknowledges that he's not being fair to her, but like, he's also making like really good points about how her world connections just bail her out every single time. So, I'm like, Herman, you are being kind of fair to her right now because like, <laughs> this isn't the kind of issue he would have with like Kim, per se, who's like, you know, comes from middle class family and whose parents aren't the chief of police and. Um, right hand to the king, you know. Okay, one thing I just thought of um, before about this line of, oh, why you make her do this when she's injured? It's like, it's kind of like trying to put a blame on Herman, like as if he somehow put a gun to Lauren's head and saying, mm-hmm. you are clocking in. But like, we're very much missing the point that Lauren is the one who decides on her own volition mm-hmm. she's going to come back in and how about where she can as far as she's able to like this it's not like it was i mean it was totally lauren's decision but yeah like you mm-hmm. said with the gaslighting and trying to make it sound, seem like it's all herman's fault that lauren's going through all this no lauren volunteered for this she whether or not she knows full well the stakes of what she what she's putting herself through whatever she's signing up for it and you know yeah and that isn't on herman at all 
Yeah, that's a really good point. Like, I, I definitely could see, like, March trying, like, in Lauren's eyes, trying to, like, villainize Herman more. So she's, like, more distrustful of, of mm-hmm. Herman and more trustful towards him. So he can use her for his definitely not terrorist means, you know? Oh, you're so so suspicious. <laughs> yeah, but I think the fact that Herman replies as a lie does mean that in some way he recognizes he is being unfair to her. And I think it's because of what, even though like intellectually, yes, it might be what he's saying is true. I think emotionally it comes from like a place of vendetta. Oh, yeah, part definitely. Of me is, yeah, I also wonder though, like if it's like, equity versus equality like because he doesn't he doesn't do this to every single officer Mm, but you know it's because lauren has posed the need for like this kind of like questioning because he has harsh yeah and And he doesn't act towards like will for example his dad was the chief of police he's a high up in society and all of that so it's like but will when he gets when he messes up something he will get reprimanded for it still like he's not like mm-hmm. yeah, it's really only to lauren that he treats her like this and i think there is a lot of personal feelings mixed up in it but at the end of the day he is still correct about his assessment of the situation yeah so and mark is going to go into the vendetta part Herman leaves says good day officer and um mark says you're right and lauren says yes thank you um, I don't understand what I've done to deserve so much hatred from him. And March explains, you know that he's always been envious of your uncle, especially since his promotion. I'm afraid it has more to do with that than you. He already wasn't any better with your parents when I used to work with them. Uh-huh. Which I think that might be uh, some info over there later. Mm-hmm. I think March should hold a masterclass on manipulation because I'm like, mm. but he's not lying. He's not lying, but also like, this is definitely something, this is definitely not something professional that you would share with someone, right? Like, yeah, it's like, it's more personal issues, but also like, Herman, or not Herman, March is like, why are you yeah, But I don't think the relationship is strictly professional because they have- It is, it isn't strictly professional, but also like, you know, Herman, sorry, March again is like, blaming it on Herman's like personal vendettas and he removes any like accountability that Lauren might share in this situation Mm -hmm. right he's like oh yeah it's definitely not because you slammed a dude into a mirror like last year (laughs) how you may be part of the vigilante duo duo who like kind of holds people hostage for a bit you know like (laughs) so sorry again I wanted I'm so sorry Mindy I wanted to point this out that like it's similar to what uh, joy was saying about how march earlier like he's like oh she's injured right like you know don't don't push this work upon her like it was lauren who came back on her own terms like it was lauren who became loon basically out of her own terms like you know the consequences that come from that are like you know it's not like the entire world is acting against lauren and she's like has no accountability in it whatsoever like March is kind of trying to do right here. Right. Well, so you're saying it's manipulation on his part. I think he's just like a soft I, I'm joking kid. about the manipulation, <laughs> but I'm saying like in <laughs> hindsight, <laughs> it's gonna be like, oh, this is manipulation. <laughs> I think like he's if just it is that he is phantom too nice. I think he's just like too nice. And like when you're close with someone, a lot of times you like don't want to tell them the truth. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you only see the good things and like you don't want to tell them a harsh reality. 
So, but I think also if you really like want to see someone improve and you mm-hmm. you want to see someone grow, and especially as March, as you know, he is kind of like her mentor figure. Um, you know, like he he does have to admit that Lauren has flaws, and you know he has to recognize like Lauren's own uh, agency in these different situations in you know if he is, if he does want to like help her become a better person he does have to you know point that out to her that like hey you know not everything that you're doing right now is great because like if no one really calls Lauren out on it then like she's never going to realize that you know something is a bad thing or that she is deserving of some kind of accountability right if, in- if we want to speculate that Herman and March, we could speculate they're in cahoots and it's a good cop, bad cop dynamic. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think it's going on, but that would be funky. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, like what March has done in the scene is basically just like deny any like reason for Lauren to have played a part in any of the things that Herman is saying and saying, talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Lauren writes it off and like, don't worry about him. But meanwhile, she's gripping her hand, looks away, and she thinks to herself, this is not good. That's how the episode ends. This should be the motto of this entire comic. <laughs> like, this is not good. Like, you know, this is not good. Blows up. Oh, this isn't good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Final thoughts on the episode. Sussometer. We need to put characters on a sussometer. He's the quirrell. Herman is the snape. Kieran and Will also needs to go to therapy. Lauren needs to go to therapy. Everybody needs to go to therapy. Everybody's having, like, what is it so said? Everybody is just having traumatic, like, dreams about Lauren. Like, Lauren someone made the list. It's, it's Lauren, Kieran, Kim, Will, Tristan, mm-hmm. Duncan, like, all these people are traumatized. And it's just like, oh, God. Mm-hmm. What if Herman's <laughs> having traumatic dreams about Lauren? Yeah, I think there was a lot of really good character exploration in this episode. Like, a lot of our side characters really got to shine, and we really got to see what they were like. And it's kind of refreshing because we seem to pretty much only always see everything from Lauren's point of view and through Lauren's filter. And <laughs> that doesn't ever really get us a chance to get to know some of these other characters on a deeper level so like mm-hmm. some of their struggles like so like some hints of their past and even with the last section like digging a little more into like home and lauren march dynamic finding out a lot more about that that's been really interesting yeah and like um will has not had like a lot of focus this season so far so I was really happy to see him, you know. And of course, seeing Kieran's soft, mushy, wonderful, sensitive heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I wonder what's going to happen. Are we going to cut to like the same day of work? Is Kieran going to show up? Is he there already? Like uh, just yeah. chilling in his chair, not moving, trying not <laughs> to aggravate his many wounds. Um, yeah. Lauren going to like talk to, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know if they're gonna try to cover that like in the next episode or because mm-hmm. pretty soon because they are still as far as we know they're still technically working in the same area so they've gotta run into mm-hmm. each other at some point. 
Mm-hmm. So, and I would like to see how that goes along. If obviously they're trying to keep things somewhat professional and trying to act like only a couple people know that they are quote unquote dating mm-hmm. or ever, because they are going with a mantra of trying to like lessen their connections as if they only know each other on a professional level and that's it for safety reasons and everything else. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if they, is that going to have some impact? Will she, will they have some, have to scroll over in some alley or pull up an archives room together and try to talk through what's going on and Lauren telling Kieran that they do have people suspecting not totally buying her car accident story. So, and yeah, lots to look forward to in coming chapters. Yeah, this was a this was a nice hearty episode. <laughs> a lot of <laughs> so okay. I thought it meant heartiest and like wholesome, and I was like, I don't know that first Kieran scene and that will flashback. Wholesomest <laughs> 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 thing. Mm. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so so much for being on the podcast. It was a great discussion as always. Thank you, Brendan, Fu, and Joy for coming on. Thank you, thank you for having us. <laughs> yep. Awesome. Have a good <laughs> week. Bye, good night. Have a wonderful week. Yes. Bye. Bye. Thank you to my current patrons Susie, Leah Lepris, Lily, Jenny, Molly, Veronica, Emily, Emily, Joe Rochelle, Saucy Toggles, Meg, Anne Rose, Priya, Alexa, Misty, Joanne, Patty, Milda, Esther, I'm watching people, Taurus, Papa, Steve, Marie, Emily, Jean, Jen, Aaron, Kay, Lily, Beckett, Duranda, Christine, Sadie, Kelly, Daniel, Teresa, Mrs. Castaldo, Kaylee, and Jen. Your support is truly appreciated.